has God allowed something in your life that was painful, hard to go through, but when you look back, you can see his hand through it all, even in the highs and lows of your life, and know that he had a big plan for your life. Ashley Hawford is with us. She was diagnosed with cancer and received only, only weeks to live. And God used cancer to teach her how to lose control and give the control to God. Ashley joins us, and I appreciate you coming in and sharing your journey and being willing um, to say these are the highs and lows of, of having cancer and having only weeks to live. Um, but that was 10 years ago. Yes. And the medical community said, write letters, get ready, because this is the end. That's exactly what they said. And then that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. And and you've and tell us about the journey of living with cancer. So when I was um, newly pregnant with my first child, I um, had a knot that came up on my neck. And I reached out to doctors and I thought that, you know, I thought it was an infection. They agreed that it was an infection, that it was nothing to worry about. And so... About eight months into my pregnancy, I asked the doctor to do something to calm my fears because I was worried that it was cancer. Mm -hmm. He was not worried at all. How far into your pregnancy were you? At this point, I was eight months. I was 32 weeks. 32 weeks. With your first, expecting your first child. This is my first child. Okay. Me and my husband had been married three years and yes, our first child. And then there was a knot. Something popped up. Yeah, just something. It just popped up. Just a small, it felt like a lymph node. Which is why they thought it was an infection, and and I agreed for a long time, but just that it kept coming back, that worried me. So the doctor said, fine, fine, we'll do these tests, do a biopsy just to make you sleep better at night. Right. They knew that it would calm me down. Plus, they could pinpoint exactly what type of infection it was. They just, they didn't know what type of infection it was, so they their thinking was the biopsy would show them what it was. They could prescribe the right medicine, and it would be better. So when... Tell me about the day that you got the news that it wasn't an infection. It was something much, much worse. The day after I had the biopsy, I was sitting wow. at home and the doctor called. And when I answered, he said, is David with you? Your husband. Right. My husband, David. And I just thought that's I knew then I knew then that it was bad news because why would you ask if your husband is with you? Right. And so he went on to say, I told him that my husband was not with me. And he went on to say, well, the mass, it is malignant. And I just, I kind of lost everything after that. I didn't hardly hear anything he said after that. Wow. And you were pregnant with your firstborn. Yes. With your son, Harley. Yes. (laughs) What happened after that? Well, he pretty much just told me that he would have to call me the next morning. This was about 6 p.m. at night that he called. And he said, I'll call you the next morning and we'll go from there. And before he called me the next morning, my obstetrician called and she was already talking about an induction and, you know, seven weeks early, seven weeks early. Wow. Right. So the ball started rolling fast. It started rolling very fast. And is that the moment where you you realize I have no control? Well, I was start that I start losing control there. Yes. I I was still trying to grapple for some, you know, trying to grip and you know, have some control of things. I've I fought with the doctors about having Harley early. I told them I was not going to be induced and I would carry the baby to term and then have the surgery and they fought back and they won. 
And so, yes, slowly I was losing control. So uh, you were having it all in your hands and it was almost like God was just starting to kind of slowly get it out of your hands. Yes. It was like I was holding my life as it were grains of sand and I was just watching it slide through my fingers. Did you know how serious it was? No. In your head, were you thinking, okay, I'll have the baby a little early. I'll have the surgery and then we'll get back to normal. Yes. I thought it was going to be. And so so did the doctors. They thought. You know, you'll have the baby, you'll have surgery, you'll be fine. Okay, so then tell me what happened after you had Harley, which I have to say, Harley, even though seven weeks early, that was a miracle. Yes, that was a miracle in itself because the, we had about four days before we were we were going to be induced to have him. And we had to go tour the NICU at the hospital. And they told us how things would be that he would probably be in the NICU for about seven weeks until his due date. And, you know, all just tons of information was dropped on us. And so when he was born, they said he would be whisked away immediately to the NICU. We wouldn't hold him. He might not be breathing on his own. And so when he was actually born, they looked at him for a minute and they just laid him down on my chest. And he was breathing and kicking and he never went to the NICU one time. That's a miracle. Yes, that's a miracle. Even the doctor said he was an older man and he'd been doing this his whole life. He's probably retired by now, but... He came into our room and he said, I've never seen a baby at just just turned the 33 week mark in gestation. He said, I've never seen a baby not at least go for some evaluation for a couple of days or something. He said, I've never seen anything like that. So you went through the first hurdle of having your first child seven weeks early. Then you the second one is going to have surgery. At what point did you realize uh, this is not going the way that we all had hoped? Well, after I had surgery, they started trying to diagnose the tumor, what type of cancer it was. So there was about a four-week window there where they were trying to diagnose it because they couldn't figure out what it was. It was here in Atlanta. It went to the Mayo Clinic. It went to Dana-Farber. We actually flew to Dana-Farber and met an oncologist up there. It was at Brigham Women's. It was all over the place. And during that four weeks, we didn't know it at the time, but the cancer was spreading. And so right after Christmas, it was um, actually the very beginning of 2008 in January, um, I started having double vision and headaches. And long story short, I had a brain tumor. The cancer had spread. Did you know it before they tested? Well, I mean, I was worried, obviously, but the doctors had been so positive about my surgery and... I I had had cancer surgery. I had a newborn baby. I just thought maybe I was having really bad headaches. And, you know, I actually went to an eye doctor and I told him I'm having double vision. I have headaches. And they said that it was stress. They said, you're stressed. You've had cancer. You've had a baby. It's okay. And so, I mean, my mind did go there. Yes. But I felt again, like I was being reassured that everything was okay. So when I went and um, one of my doctors ordered an MRI of my brain, And when we came back to his office and he pulled the scan up on his computer and he showed me right in the middle of my brain was looked like a little white golf ball just sitting there. And he said, do you see that? And I said, yes. And he said, that's a tumor. You know, and Ashley, I know for a lot of us, we've had that moment where we're with our loved ones and and we get that devastating news with there. Unless God shows up, there's this is the course that's going to happen unless he intervenes and changes the direction. Tell us about your day when that diagnosis is that you had a brain tumor. It had spread. Every time you were throwing things thinking you were going to solve the problem with all this different chemo and radiation, it wasn't. It was right. almost fueling it. Yes, yes. Um, 
it was it was terrible. I knew then that it was very serious. And I'll never forget what the doctor said when I asked him about removing it because I'd had the tumor in my neck removed. So logically, I'm just thinking they'll remove the tumor in my brain. I'm still thinking control. Yeah, control. I can control this. I can control it. And he looked at me and he said, that tumor is in a place only God's hands can go. And I think then I knew I had no control over that. There was nothing that could be done. He said, the only thing, you know, that I can do for you is order some radiation. He said, that's the only thing that we can do is radiate your brain. And so I was put in the hospital to begin that radiation. And when I was in the hospital, they decided to do a full body scan. And they said, well, if it's in your brain, we need to make sure it's nowhere else. But when that scan came back, um, it showed that it was in both of my lungs. There were tumors all in my lungs and a spot on my liver. And so at that point, I really, um, I felt like God had just kind of left us. And I felt alone, abandoned, and I didn't know what to do. And I obviously had no control over anything. How did the doctors tell you to prepare yourself? Well, one doctor looked at my husband and asked him if he owned a video camera. And he said, no. And he said, well, I would buy one. And we had um, another doctor and nurses telling us to start, you know, writing, writing a journal for Harley. They wanted me to write a journal for Harley and take pictures. They said, take as many pictures as you can. And so we did. We started doing that. So they basically were telling you to prepare yourself to die. Right. Without saying, you know, without saying it in those words, yes, they were they were preparing us for the end. For the end. Telling me about what what turned, what what happened? How how do you the because you what you always described before cancer, I was the one that always wanted control. And I know a lot of us we we want to control God. Uh, and then we want to control our circumstances. So when you're at a place in your life when you have absolutely no control which by the way we we know none of us do we just have this pretend facade that we have right. control <laughs> of our life but when you were really at the point of, of god saying here it is there's nothing that it's hard when you are a control a controlling person you know you just want to control everything and realize that you have no control i just had to say god you're the only one that can do anything about this we're praying and seeking you but you know, honestly, at that point, I was so sick that I was praying, but my prayers were more just, why God, help me God. I think that it was the prayers of others, my church family and my and my family, who really, they were the ones who stood in the gap and prayed for me. Because at that point, I think I was just so lost and so broken, just discouraged. I didn't even know what to say to God. Hmm. And you did bring you bring up a great point because your church really rallied behind y'all. Yes, they did. Our church, we I went on to have one more scan after the one that showed the tumors in my lungs. And that scan came back and said that there were more tumors in my lungs. This was after I'd been on chemo for about four weeks. And so the report actually reads there are innumerable tumors present on both lungs. And so at that point, the doctors really had given up um, as a matter of fact they offered to let me stop chemo or I could continue on and they could try one more they had one more option they could try and so I tried that in that same month that I decided to try the other chemo my church took that whole month and fasted and prayed the whole church the whole well 
People signed up. I'm sorry. Let me back up a sec. People signed up to fast and pray. Right. Two or more people every single day for a whole month. And some days there were four and five. Some days there were only two. And there might have been more than four or five. I don't know. But on a calendar, I I have the calendar where people signed up. And, you know, they just came and signed up to fast and pray for 24 hours. Well, and that's the thing is that God was putting you through this. You know, he allowed this to happen. Right. But he brought body of christ to come and and help weather this storm yes my pastor always says he said i've never seen a church come together and rally around a person as much as they did for you what a great testimony yes it's amazing because you know a lot of us were either going into a storm or in a storm or we just got out and we're not meant to live this by ourselves exactly you're not you're not that's you know the beauty of having a relationship with God and being involved in a church and having this support group, you know, we're not meant to carry those burdens alone. Mm -hmm. So the month of fasting and the month of praying, and then you went back to the doctor. Yes. So after the fasting and praying and I continue, I decided to continue the chemo. So about four months passed and I went back in July of 2008 for my scan results and I knew I'd been praying that there would just can be positive news. I knew at one point if there ever was, you know, the cancer worsening or not getting any better, that th- there would be no other options other than me to just go home and die because they just still didn't even know what they were fighting. So I went in July at the end of July, 2008 and my oncologist came in and she said, I'm just going to read you exactly what the radiologist report says. And I thought, I don't know if that's good or bad, but, Okay. And she pulled it up and she said, the radiologist reports that there's no evidence of disease present. And the the funny thing about that is I looked at her and I said, well, what does that mean? And she said, well, it means it's gone. You're in remission. And we all, even my oncologist, we just broke down and started crying. <laughs> she said, I never thought I would say those words to you. Never. Well, and how did the medical community respond to see this obvious miraculous healing they all of my doctors say you know this was definitely a god thing you know there we've never seen somebody come back from that much disease and and so quickly but then they said the other thing was that it would come back my oncologist said well here's here's the bad here's the bad news is that you're in remission but we think there's a 75 to 90 percent chance this is going to come back because it was so aggressive so it was almost like, okay, great, but the shoe's going to drop. Right. Yeah. And you lived like this for years, right. waiting I, for the shoe to drop. Yes, I did. I actually had to continue chemo, even cancer-free. I had to continue doing chemo for another six months. They wanted to really just blast. If there was anything left, they wanted to just blast it out. And so I just lived on pins and needles mm-hmm. every day thinking I, I had cancer. Every little bump or bruise. or. But then constantly reminding yourself that I am not in control. Right. Yeah. I just had to say, this is not me. I can't control this. I can't worry about this. God's in control. And I don't think he healed me to let me turn right back around and it come back. Ashley, during your journey with cancer, when it almost like you couldn't even celebrate being cancer free because it was almost like, oh, yeah, by the way, eventually the shoe's going to drop. So there you go. A 90 percent chance. The shoe could drop. Was there scripture? Was there was there a song? 
Was there was there words that maybe God was whispering into your ears? Yes. So I I had been reading my Bible and I came in. I was reading Psalms chapter thirty. And I was just reading it right around a day when I was having a bad day, worrying that the cancer was going to come back. And it was like the Lord just showed me this in Psalms 30, verse 2, where it says, Oh, Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. And I just thought, that was for me. You wrote that verse for me. And I always, you know, I tell people that I'm like, God put that in the Bible just for me. And I know he didn't, obviously, <laughs> but... um you know, I think about that all the time. Even even today, you know, I still have to remind myself of that when I think, oh, you know, oh, I've got this going on. It might be cancer. No, no. The Lord healed you and you're going to be OK. And I just have to remind myself that. Hmm. Well, and he healed you physically. Yes, he healed. But me physically. He healed also parts of your heart that you didn't know you were not allowing him to touch. Right. Yes. I needed I not I needed the physical healing, but I needed a spiritual healing where he showed me what I needed and that I needed to trust him and quit trying to control everything in my life. And he he revealed that to me. Well, and oftentimes we do play a game with God that if I do X, Y and Z, it will equal a easy life. Yes. And you had done that. You've done all the X, Y, and Z. And so therefore equals no hardship. Right. I always, I've grown up in church and went to a Christian school and, you know, I just always associated, you know, good things come to good people, bad things go to bad people and good things come to good people. And I don't even know. I mean, if you read the Bible, clearly you see that good things don't always happen to good people, but I just had always thought that, you know? And so when I got cancer and here I was pregnant with my first child. I thought, this is not how it's supposed to be. Lord, this I'm I'm a good person. Why is something so tragic happening to me? And Asha, what do you tell people when they come up to you and say, God gave you a healing, but he didn't give me a healing, didn't give my mom a healing, didn't give my husband, my wife, um, because the truth about cancer has touched all of our lives. Right, it has. It, it's touched everyone. It's Before I had cancer, it has been in my family. My grandmother had cancer. My, both of my aunts have had cancer. And one aunt passed away in her early 30s. She had brain cancer. She left behind three children. So our family knows what it's like to not receive the healing. And so I had someone come up to me one time after I had spoke at a church group, and they said, my daughter, she didn't get the healing that you got so why why do you think that and at the time I just told her you know I don't understand we don't understand God we don't know what his ways are but he is good and he's sovereign and he doesn't promise healing there's nowhere in the Bible where it says I will heal you here on earth and you know you're going to have a good life but what he does say is that he'll be with us and he'll give us his peace and his comfort and his grace. And so we may not get, not everyone is going to get an earthly healing, you know, and not everything's going to work out exactly how you want it to, but the Lord will be with you and he will help you through it. Just ask. Yes. You've just, you've just got to seek him hmm. and draw not, it says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Well, and, um, and, and Ashley too, you know, if you're, if, you, if you're in those days where Ashley has been in, currently in I'm, sh I'm sure this is something that you have to daily give to god oh yes every day and um e even if the only thing you can muster up is jesus help i mean and, and i think all of us have had those days where yes. 
I mean, or, or all I can say is his name because I am so incredibly broken on what's going on. Just cry out to him and ask, like you said. Yes. Ask him. So I've asked Ashley to share the microphone with her husband, because if you have dealt or if you have had cancer in your family, you know uh, the impact of it is wide and it's deep. And David, you are a fireman. Saves lives. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And so to have your wife needing help um, and needing someone to rescue her and you're helpless as a caregiver, the husband and the father of your new baby boy, explain that to us. Just a feeling of helpless, uh, maybe be the best word I can, I can think of. Um, you know, it was such a, a whirlwind of a time. You know, it wasn't nothing I could fix. You know, I, I'm a hands-on kind of person. You know, if it's, she was sick, but it wasn't with anything that I could physically fix or do. Uh, you know, I'm like I said, we have a brand new baby. I'm still trying to figure out how to care for this new little bitty baby that and you've we have. only been married a couple of years, right? What yeah. three years? Three years at this point. So, still a new husband, now a new father, and now you throw cancer in in the mix. Um, so it was definitely a, a feeling of helplessness. Did you ever so, get mad with God? I did. I did. You know, I, I hate to say that, but you know, I think that's just human nature. Um, you get this dropped in my lap and, you know, you question God and, you know, Lord, why is this happening? Uh, like Ashley said, you know, we're good people. We go to church we do everything we're supposed to, you know, supposedly. Right. Um, you know, why why is this happening to us? Um and yeah, you know, I there there were times where I was I was angry about it. What did God teach you about himself and also about yourself? Um mostly that I can trust God with everything in my life. You know, from the the smallest thing to the to cancer, it doesn't matter. I can trust God with it. It wasn't always like that at all. You know, I prayed, but I developed a a prayer life very quickly that it, that I may not have had before cancer, and it had cancer not happened, maybe still wouldn't have. You know, there Ashley talked about wanting to be in control of everything, and and you know there was a control aspect for, in on my part as well. Where you're wanting to fix things, but like you say, it's out out of my control. And there were times where I felt like God was a million miles away. But you know, it says in the Bible, he's, He'll never leave us or forsake us. And that's true. He was He was there the whole time. So I, I definitely, through all of this, learned to to put 100% of trust and faith in God that that no matter what, it's going to work out for good. You know, the verse in the Bible, and our pastor preached on it yesterday that we know all things work together for good to them to love God. And, you know, when you're in the midst of something, you may be thinking there's no way, no way this can work together for for my good. But when you're through it, and now here we are 10 years back, I can look back and I can see that every bit of that has worked together for, for my good spiritually and even in our marriage. Well, and then also... Now that y'all can go out and 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 share right. about what God did in your life, and, and through your book, losing control, how God used cancer and infertility to bring me to the end of myself. 
sharing your your story and not letting it be something that you're not willing to say and, and give God the glory. Right, right. Because actually the process of writing this book, I'm sure was very healing. Yes, it was. I could look back and see things when we were writing all of this down, you know, and I could see, man, God was right in the middle of that. And I surely didn't see it at the time. And it was, it just, even though, you know, God had already changed me years ago, just writing this book, it just showed me again how good God is. Hmm. Yeah. And and saying like, yeah, we had these feelings. I, I wanted to control it. I was angry with God. And, but he's a big God. He can handle that. Right. Yes. He can handle anything. <laughs> he can handle anything. That's right. And how have you seen God use this book in the lives of others? Not long after it was had come out, people started writing to me and saying, man, this this book, I, I never knew what all you went through. We just knew you had cancer and lived, but we didn't know you went through this or this. We didn't know God had done you know, helped you with Harley. We didn't know God restored this or just so many different things people are seeing and saying to us. And they're saying, we didn't realize God would do this. And, and I'm going to pray more and I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to God. I'm going to read my Bible more. And it's just, you know, it seems like people are really seeing exactly how big God is. And the Bible verse says, is there anything too hard for God? And, you know, I think people are just seeing that through the book, that nothing is too hard. Well, and then, like you said, there was a lot of miracles along the way, a lot of lessons learned between both of y'all, um, a lot of uh, thankfulness, having a church family that would yes. rally behind y'all and meals and fast <laughs> and pray on y'all's behalf. Um, but the, the main I mean, one of the big miracles are your children. Yes. My son, Harley, who is now 10 years old. Who's uh, now 10 <laughs> years old and that was born seven weeks early. Yes. With no complications. No complications. Even maybe one night in the NICU? No nights in the NICU. No nights. That is huge. <laughs> he came home with me two days later. That is huge. Four pounds. All four pounds. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, Harley, I know you hear your mama's story and your your daddy's story yeah, uh, about the healing that your mom got the journey and their and their faith with God. I heard that you had one prayer that you prayed nonstop. And it was, yeah, I did. You did. What, tell, what was it? I wanted a little sister. You wanted a little sister. But this was after your mom had cancer. So all the doctors had said, it can't happen. Yeah, I was, they were like, you can't have any babies. And I was like, I want a sister. So how long did you pray for your sister? A year non-stop Ashley for a year he kept praying for his sister because that's that's the other part of this story is that they said that Harley was your your miracle baby yes and they, there would be no others right they told us that there would be absolutely no possibility that we would have any more biological children that we would have to pursue adoption because we had pursued fertility doctors and specialists and they said no way mm-hmm and so Harley kept praying for a little sister, very yes, specific. very specific. Okay, very specific. And then you got a baby sister. Finally, I got a sister. Tell me about her. Well, she has really, 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 really long hair. <laughs> and she really loves princesses. I mean loves princesses do you love being the big brother i do i love it 
<laughs> well, and, and um, Ashley and David, to, to see God yet again, yet again, yet again. What would you say to that listener as we wrap things up that is in the middle of their cancer journey? I would say um, never give up because we were we were given the most grim diagnosis possible. And um, there were times I just wanted to give up. I just wanted to give up on God. I wanted to give up on at the treatments and everything. But something deep down inside just wouldn't let me. And I'm so thankful that I didn't. So I would say don't give up. Make sure you've got a great support group. Reach out to someone because you need you need someone praying for you, helping you. You can't do it by yourself. And your book, Ashley, is called How God Used Cancer and Infertility to Bring Me to the End of Myself. We can go to your website to get a copy. Yes, you can go to ashleyhalford.com or you can go to Amazon, either one. Ashley, I appreciate uh, your willingness to share this story with us. and David coming on and Harley, you come in and being here with us um, to give us hope. Uh, to know, you know, that God does heal, and, and but He wants to heal our heart and us physically as well. Yes. Yes.